Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in The Canon Canon. Snookers, DBs, hooplas, and breath mints. Welcome to the Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is the podcast where we talk about Canon films and all of the wonderful films that they have made in their many, many years. And today, today we have what I like to call a deep cut. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, the deepest cut. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie is an example of why. Literally like a day or two ago, both me and Frank were like, all right, we need to make a list of canon films and figure out like almost like little criteria of like, this is when we definitely want to do this one. But also like, is this one even able to be found? Is this one even uh, uh, one we should bother covering at any point? Uh, and, you know, doing time on planet Earth is kind of in between some of those. Uh, mm-hmm. Because so... So this is a movie that will give you the warning right away. Uh, You know, this is one that we go into doing it knowing if this is a podcast you listen to only if you know the movie, you might not listen to this episode because you it is not on any streaming. It is not on DVD, I believe, at all. I don't think it was ever even released There's a VHS you can get on Amazon, and I believe there's Uh only one of them, and it goes for like $100. Uh, uh, And the only place you can actually watch it is a YouTube link that we will share on our Twitter. Uh, Because, uh, yeah, this movie, Doing Time on Planet Earth, seems to just not exist. Uh, It's one of those candidates that doesn't exist. It Uh, feels like a fever dream. Right. It, 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 It... like the the crazy part about it, and we'll get into it, is like all the people attached, it makes me wonder if it somehow was on the on the best version just kind of lost in the shuffle of Hollywood, or on the worst version, buried by Hollywood. Because there's too many people in it for it not to be an existing film. Yeah, and especially who's behind the scenes of it, like the writer especially. That's the main thing. Like it's like it's yeah. shocking when we get into the actual crew of this, let alone the people who are in it who also like I sometimes was flummoxed why they were in it, like how it worked out. Uh, you know, the themes of the movie that I'll get into, but like you know, so this is one where uh, we were talking a little bit before we started. Like, I have a surprisingly deep relationship with it, and I think you, Frank, have no relationship with it. I there were parts of it where I was like, I know this movie, right? And it reminded me of a certain era in the '80s, which we'll get into. Yeah, because I want to figure it out beach. with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't figure out what it was reminding me of. And even you say back to beach, I'm like, Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's there's, it. Yeah. There's like a, I mean, cause they mentioned the band a million times B 52s, but there's an aesthetic that was happening in the late eighties. That was this kitsch kind of like, uh, John Waters light type of, you know, fifties nostalgia, like Pee Wee even a little bit. Right. But like there's this kind of like, 
uh, uh, aesthetic yeah. that was kind of big in the late 80s, early 90s that was kind of a throwback and it was kind of like kind of like the new beatnik type of thing. That's what it does fit. Not like, new Bohemia, but right, like, right. like, yeah. Yeah, because that it, it, I wrote kitsch as well because it is yeah. like another, you know, if you haven't seen this, I do think, I personally will get into why I think, I think it's worth a watch. Uh, at yeah. least for a like, oh, this existed. But uh, I think the biggest draw would be that. Uh, so the band, the B fifty twos, play a huge part in this movie. But they're Just, not even in the movie. No, the concept. <laughs> now, let me, yeah, let me rephrase. The concept of the B fifty twos plays a huge part in this, and there is no B fifty twos music, and uh, a they poster. Don't appear in it. No, they are not in it. Uh, and he only it, it's only used as a device, right? Like a which MacGuffin, is so, but I guess? then so right. It's almost a MacGuffin, so it's odd. But that's why also. So for me, I watched this a lot as a child. It was on. It was one of those HBO movies. I bet. And it was odd. Like it was like you know. I assume they just had the rights, so they were gonna play the fuck out of it. And it's like one of those movies that I know I watched a lot. And then when I was watching it, it was really reminding me how much I watched it. Like, because I think when I was a kid, I was confused by it. (laughs) Uh, And that in some ways, and I don't want to make this a lofty statement, but that I do think it was at least one of the tiny introductions uh, to a young Jeff Garlock in Cheshire, Connecticut to subculture and almost like a beginning of punk. Like, because we'll also say, like, you know, when we're saying that the B-52s are part of this, like, it's not Love Shack era B-52s. Like, uh, the first no. album is a big, is a, the concept is a part of it. So, like, yeah. and and it is what you just said. Like, like 52 girls and stuff, yeah. Right. And so, like, that idea, what you just said, like, Light John Waters, like, that's a great descriptor. Because I was, like, it reminded me of, light i think that's the thing it's light a lot of things like and maybe that's why it's kind of a buried film but it also is like light savage steve holland yeah exactly like it was like not as hardcore in the tone of one crazy summer and better off dead but it had that vibe of a kind of surreal suburban movie with a touch of like subculture that's not huge just yet you Um, know what you know what it reminded me of is like get a life, but get a life did it better. Yes. Yeah. I think it's just like there's a little bit like I think why it's also weird that this movie is buried to me is like because it is legitimate. Like I did a little I was trying to do a little bit of research and it's not like unless I missed it. It's not like there are like these like kind of small bits of fans who have like pulled it up. Like honestly, some friends of the show and us. Uh, more so of us than the show, probably. But like, while I was watching it this time as an older man, I was like, if all of a sudden, like, say Jake Fogelnest or right. Julie Klausner were like, this was an important movie to me at one point, like, not as important as Times Square, like, yeah. or or female, ladies or, and gentlemen, the fabulous stains. Oh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, the fabulous stains, exactly. But it had, or like, even like a Dynamo. Like, our friend Dynamo, like, who, if you know her artwork, you would almost see the kind of lines between the aesthetic of this. Because, again, it if it's not 100% in that world, it does touch upon it enough that I'm, 
I'm just surprised that it's not like in a world where we have like so many like think pieces where like they're like film think pieces where it's like the unheralded punk films of blah blah blah. And you yeah. read them and you're always like, yeah, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains, Times Square, like suburbia. And then you'll talk about decline, of course. Like, yeah. like but th- there is a li- parents sometimes gets in there. Repo in man. Way. Yeah, repo man. But there is like, I'm surprised it just hasn't kind of shown up in the because there's nothing. There is nothing yeah. out there. Um, and Other than the fact that the guy who played the brother passed away. Literally uh, the only like, trivia fact, like, yeah. is the brother passed away and when he was 29. Um, the, yeah, the, the the year that the film came out. Oh, really? See, that's an interesting trivia fact. A few months after that, yeah. And that is the only trivia or anything you'll really get about this film. Like, if, if yeah. that's why, if I had not seen it, I could I could see that it would feel extra like a fever dream to you because it feels like it. There is a bit of like not that it will blow your mind, but a little bit of like where did this come from? If you're a person that was into subcultures at all, if you or were a person that was into uh, 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 indie rock and punk, especially like in especially that kind of like early 90s, like where it, that that kind of like not tiki culture, but there is like a kitsch element. It, it, yeah, it had like the it's again, I don't want to get too grandiose. And I think there's definitely some probably like slight revisionist history going on in my brain here. But like, <laughs> I did have a moment where I was like, was this like a 1% addition to like when I first started like watching MST3K? It was like, right. oh, there's a, because it hasn't, it does have a Midwestern punk element to it. Absolutely. It feels like it could have been a Comedy Central original when it was the Comedy Channel. You know what? I love that you said it because there was a moment where I also was like, I say Midwestern, but was like, could this also, if you told me it was Canadian, yeah. and, I would, and, and that it was made by the same people who made Dave Foley's The Wrong Guy. Oh, God. Yeah, I love I, that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I think the anniversary is actually coming up like this week or something. Yeah, um, they're doing I think they did a table read or something. Yeah, that's what I one. saw. But yeah, it's like great it's movie. Like, it feels like in there or like a later version of that, like that uh, uh, to me, somewhat that Sam Rockwell movie Safe Men, where right. like it feels like where it's like, oh, this is a there's an interesting movie. And it's like kind of under it legitimately is a term overused by film writers about movies that are not under the radar like where you're like this is a movie we've all agreed upon is above the radar but like this one is under the radar (laughs) yeah it's a little bit in that like terror vision kind of yeah uh you know like that that area where it's like it's like people know it but not really and it's like it's kind of in this weird uh, aesthetic too, right? You know, it, it, it to me when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, I bet if I went on Night Flight right now, because I I used to like watch so much of that, but I bet if like they'd have a behind the scenes, like yeah, you know, a takeoff, or they would have like a, a spotlight on this movie. It is a total Night Flight. Like I wrote Night Flight as yeah. well because it does feel like where it'd be like, yes, like it would be a movie that they would get the rights to because as we'll talk about with numbers, it seemingly made almost nothing. Um, it might not have no. been released really like which again is yeah it didn't 
it didn't chart. We'll get to that, but it didn't chart yeah. at all that year. But, but yeah, I feel you yeah. Know, I should have checked the app. I wonder if it is a night flight. It feels like it would totally be a night flight movie. I mean, only because uh, you know, showing when we're doing this, both you and I watched this on on Thanksgiving night. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just so, uh, yeah. as I. As I just tweeted on our on our Canon Twitter that if someone could guess what we watched on Thanksgiving night, no one would be able to guess because no, it also is, absolutely not. It's you know it's a hard sell with after a fun day of being with your family to be like, all right, I'm gonna watch this YouTube link to this movie. I know. No one knows. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! Why didn't I watch this on Wednesday night? So on Thursday night I could watch like Die Hard or something. Right. Kind of like something. chill out and just kind of like I mean I, I didn't hate this, but like at the same time I was like. I got to do work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's like, the thing. It did feel like it was like, all right, sorry, babe. We got to do work. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, uh, and Jeff, do you you call it Thanksgiving? You don't call it like Toiky Day or anything cute like that? Oh, no, no. I do call it Toiky Day. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I call it uh, Gobble Gobble Yum Yum Num Num Yum Yum. Uh, yeah. Uh, my kid calls it just Thanksgiving. Uh, and okay. I was like, He's okay. a very serious child. Yeah. yeah. I, he's got to chill out, man. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, it's our day where we go, mmm, yummy. <laughs> I know. Day. I was all full of turkey oh. and stuffing <laughs> and yams <laughs> and mashed potatoes <laughs> and rolls <laughs> and oh, no. he forgot and about candy <laughs> and oh, no. cotton. Oh no, don't and eat cotton. Marbles. You had marbles, right? <laughs> uh, bleach. Oh, that's and, not edible. <laughs> oh, and I was just oh so nom 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> that table was full and my stomach was even fuller. <laughs> I was uh, puking left and pu- right. <laughs> <laughs> I puked all night. I woke up this morning puking, and then I had seconds. <laughs> That's the no, best I, part. I was like shitty leftovers. <laughs> yeah, this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but that is, it was like literally, I would say, like five minutes before my wife was sitting there going, you know, even amongst the, how the world is, like today turned out nice. And I was like, yeah, yeah. it really did. Okay. I'm going to go find this shitty YouTube link that I can't hear. Um, yep. Try not to eat your potato chips too loud because I literally can't hear what they're saying sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, even I had headphones in and I couldn't it, that's make the, out some that's stuff. The, that's the problem of, again, like if we had planned ahead, we would have gone illegal and found a nice BitTorrent, maybe. Um, also, I realized if we had planned ahead, we would have either... Because I think it is mentioned, at least in passing, in Electric Boogaloo. Now I want to go back and double check. And I also, this is another one where I'm like, Austin, like, we oh, got yeah. We got to talk to Austin Trunick about this one. Because I just want to know <laughs> any information, like, at all. Because so This shocking. is like a volume three for him, right? I it's know. It's like, the, yeah. I don't think he's probably even We have to wait like four it. or five years. <laughs> I know. And I would love to be, to like find out that even Austin Trunick is just like, oh, God, I'm not covering doing time on planet Earth. Like, what right. are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I have to do American Ninja 20. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, I just before we get into some of the stats, like, so what is, what is the plot of this movie? Well, so I'll say, like, the plot of this movie, I mentioned it to my my friend on a text thread this morning, and he had never heard of it. And then he looked it up, and his first reaction was, the plot of this movie sounds insane. And I yeah. was like, yeah, there's a lot going on. But it's essentially, 
uh, a teenager uh, in Scottsdale. Oh, no, Sunnyville, Arizona. Sunny uh, Sunnydale. Sunnydale, that's it. A teenager in Sunnydale, Arizona, who lives at a Holiday Inn that rotates, uh, believes that he is the leader of an alien race because of a dating computer app that has told him that. Um, and it's him trying to uh, get off of this planet because he's been doing time on planet Earth. Planet Earth. Uh, Do you want to hear the, the description that's on IMDb? I would love to hear the description. <laughs> Through a series of extraordinary circumstances, an eccentric... Oh, fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this again. Whoa, I feel good. Through a series of extraordinary circumstances, an eccentric teenager believes he may be the alien prince of a distant planet, ready to lead his brethren home. I mean, I guess that is... I think even... Did they mention he's a prince? Maybe not. I love when sometimes... He's like the, as he okay. says, like the CEO or whatever. Oh, right, right, right. I just love sometimes when I'll be Chairman like. Chairman of the board. Yes. When sometimes even like IMDb summaries, I'm like, you're filling in information that wasn't there. <laughs> That's not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that is what is going on. And throughout there, then the B-52s get yeah. interwoven and we'll get into that uh but yeah like a Jungian, like uh you know kind of type of like uh symbols type of just kind of it's like oh why is that coming up so i told now i'm like i should have looked in my Jungian book of symbols giant book that i use sometimes <laughs> for writing and see if b52s oh, show up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so let's get into some stats of this right. movie <laughs> So, Doing Time on Planet Earth uh, was released on September 16th, 1988. Budget, who knows? Uh, <laughs> gross was almost 30,000. Thousand, not million. 30,000. Tw- it's like 29,763 or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed by Charles Mathau, uh, son of... Walter Mathau. Walter Mathau, the grumpy old man himself, Walter <laughs> Mathau. The yeah, the odd couple man himself, the bad news bear himself, <laughs> the clown prince of uh no, I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh, so it was yeah, directed by him. It, one of the writers uh or story by is Darren Starr. Right. So Canon Bros, uh, <laughs> listeners, this may not be familiar with Darren Starr's work, uh, but if if you uh, if you aren't familiar, Darren Starr is most famously known for Sex in the City and 90210 and 90210 and, and Melrose Place. Yeah, and more recently uh Emily in Paris or as Netflix pointed out and tweeted Emily in Paris, Ha-ha! which is um it, it's a show. It has it's a, a demographic. <laughs> I mostly know it because it's Phil Collins' uh daughter. Yep, that's uh, right. That's the only thing I know about it. But because you're such a Collins head, because I because I love I, uh, Lily Collins. I'm a big Lily Collins head. I hate yeah. Genesis. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> One of my favorite bands ever. Uh, but uh, the thing that Cannon Bros would know is that apparently, though, so Darren Starr wrote this movie and then story by, but also has an uncredited draft credit on Dead Heat. Oh, yeah, the Joe really? Piscopo Treat Williams movie, which is another yeah. we brought it up before the movie that I rented way too many times as a kid. Uh, yeah. uh, I, uh, Dead Heat might be a, could have been a canon at some point that we might do. By the way, I, I was looking on HBO Max yesterday and it looked like there was a few canon titles that got added. 
we're gonna I'm, I was just like I gotta figure out how to get HBO Max either from somewhere or like we'll figure you could probably out. just share it with us I uh, might have to <laughs> share for those because I also have a yeah there's a couple on another app that I have but um yeah that's oh that's do you want to hear the top 10 we've covered these before though. oh but yeah what year is this again 89 1988 so we 88, got who yeah. framed Roger Rabbit coming to America good morning Vietnam big crocodile Dundee two three men and a baby die hard moonstruck cocktail Beetlejuice great so Great year. Uh, yeah. yeah, 88, I was 10. I think this is also something I want to look up because I forgot to do it before. So B-52s. I want to mm. know what record we were at at 88. 88 was around like the, the Rome era, I think. Was it Rome uh, already? I, I want to say, or either that or it was... Uh, I, I want to say definitely um, Love Shack era. So it was uh, one year before 89 was Cosmic Thing. Okay. So, okay. So, so then, yeah. in a lot of ways, it. so this movie was written before they blew up. And I imagine they probably filmed it like a year or two before too. Right. Well, I don't know. It's canon. Who knows? It probably Who was knows like three with months that. before. But this is also one yeah. of those weird ones where it doesn't feel, and we'll get to that probably in our canon rating, it doesn't feel like it has the touch of canon on it. Like it almost feels like it lived in its own world and they just like bought it from someone. Like even yeah, though I, it, I, yeah, even I though agree. it's not just a straight distributed by, I don't think, but like it doesn't feel very canon. It's just an odd film. Uh yeah, so it would have been bouncing off the satellites probably yeah. era whammy. So like again, this is using a band that they weren't known completely. They weren't a, they weren't everybody knows the B52s. It's it's odd. It would be odd I think even when Love Shack was out to have a movie that is using the B-52s as a plot point. Yeah, because they didn't really really they didn't really do that well on the charts. No. When this came out. I'm looking at um trying to look at like what the if they even had really singles off of this. Right. I mean, they have a song called Theme for a Nude Beach. So it's like Right. Juicy but even jungle. Like I mean, but like, I think I even like what year was Rock Lobster? Do we know? Yeah, that was um that's off of uh, the first. That's like seventy nine. Okay, so I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think this movie is yeah, seventy nine. This movie was either written a while before, I would guess too. Like, yeah. because it, it's not it uh, the it's the first album. Like, they're embracing the first album. It's the aesthetic yeah. of the first album, especially. It's the cover. Like, this is seventy nine Rock Lobster era uh, B fifty twos as the kind of main crux. Um, yeah. Dude, Wild Planet is a great album by them, by the way. Yeah, the I mean, they're great bands. The first one, yeah, that right. Wild Planet in 1980 is a fantastic album. They're a great band. That's, But it's also why uh, my friend whose uh, young daughter is getting into the B-52s, I mentioned this, he's like, oh, like, would I be able to show uh, her doing Time on Planet Earth? And I was like, I mean, if you want to watch our lead character get a BJ and have his DNA packet in his brain explode while staring at a poster of the B-52's first record, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's how you want to introduce your daughter to that concept? I was like, but maybe not. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think like, so Darren Starr, like, I think that's the, the interesting part is like, because 
not only did he help write it, but also like Walter Matthau's son, who I'm guessing maybe also was like tangentially related to punk somehow because he he has a credit. He's in the movie as punk student. Uh, <laughs> so, and I don't remember when there was a punk student. I think it was, might be some part I started zoning out a little bit, but, uh, or the guy was kicking his chair. Like it's like a guy around there, right? Somewhere. One of those students is, is Walter Matthau's son. Uh, but like if you're, da- I mean, every one of those shows Darren Star created are huge. Yeah. So I can only think it must have like, it cause it hasn't even been dug up by it might be too light for like vinegar syndrome or something like that, but like some sort of label that does nothing but digging up lost film. It doesn't exist. It feels like a shout factory type. Shout of. factory, definitely. Like I'm yeah. shocked. Uh and yeah, I I I don't it, it's it's again, as we kind of will go through it, it, it is a flummoxing movie. And I it, there's no reason. But there's got to be a reason that it's like almost like a mystery I would love to unpack of why this movie is lost because Darren Star is huge. Like, how would you not want to be like, let's yeah. get that movie out? We can get a credit on from the writer of Sex in the City and 90210, the creator. Um, yeah, it's it's very odd. Uh, uh, so should we get into what this let's the, do it. the movie? All right. So like. So, yeah, it, it's. Again, this is one that also I bet you we're not going to like go beat by beat with. It's more of like these larger concepts. Uh, yeah. uh, but I will say just to begin with, like great canon logo. Like we've yeah. got our great era. But then immediately, I think even my wife was like, this is a canon film. Like, what is this music? What is this light yeah. piano-y part in like in interest- these talking heads? Yeah, yeah, this interesting talking head setup. Um, I have a theory about the this intro. Go on. So I feel like, because it looks stylistically, it looks different, and it looks very low budget, and the right. music to it, too, as well. It start The way it starts feels like it's a Woody Allen movie, like an HBO Woody Allen movie, and the rest of the movie has none of that feeling whatsoever. Yeah. It sets a tone that you're like, when it starts to go into the movie, you're like, whoa, what? wait, why did we have this intro? Right. And I think this is where the canon stuff comes in. I think they added it. After, I think they did like a reshoot or they added it being like, we need this context where everybody from the family is talking about right. Alan because it's so not stylistically in line whatsoever with any of the movie. That is the canon element that is in there is that there is exposition sections and like this beginning, like it's, in, but it is also, as you just said, I, I was at one point, I, yeah, I was trying to figure out what, what. Did, what tone did I think match up? And and I think Woody Allen is a better version. I think it's, I was thinking a Steve Martin film, and like one that he helms, like L.A. Story. E. So it's yeah. like Woody Allen meets L.A. Story, like beginning because it's also Absolutely. the it it ends up just the beginning is people from the movie talking about the thing we are going to see. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. And there's a lot of stuff that stuck out to me. Like, as a kid, like, that band member who's listing off candy. Like... Dude. I That was a yeah. part that I remember as a kid thinking it was very funny. Um, that was something I remember, too. And I actually really laughed at that. Yeah, there's that a whole... bunch of parts where I legitimately Dude. laughed. 
Same. Um, I was like, I was like, because I would be, I would go from why the fuck, like, I would be like, I fucking hate this movie to, mm-hmm. oh, this is really funny. We're going to get into it, but like, I think, uh, Adam West is unbelievable in it. Like, if Dude. there's any reason to watch it, it's Adam West. It's Adam West. Yeah. The commitment. The commitment is so... And there's one part of the movie where he's uh, talking to our protagonist when they're at the... I guess they're at the 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 wedding or the club. I can't remember where they're at. Uh-huh. But he's so close to the actor. And you can <laughs> tell the actor is trying not to crack up because he's so... Dude, it reminded me of Look Well. So yes. for our listeners... Dude, okay, so for our listeners, if you do not know what Lookwell is, look it up. It's yeah. on YouTube. But Conan O'Brien, Robert Smigel created a show in the late 80s, early 90s. It was a pilot where Adam West plays a former TV detective yeah. um, who teaches an acting class but then stumbles into like real-life crimes and tries his best to solve those crimes. Very And it's funny. one of the funniest pilots it's kind of like one of those heat vision and jacks where you're yeah. like oh man i wonder what this would have been if they actually made it but like look it up on youtube look up look well that's it's why fantastic it's another reason that i'm shocked that this is not a somewhat like an undiscovered jet like you know i don't Look, man, I don't want this to be one of our life goals. That's like the world needs to remember about doing time on planet Earth because of the canon canon. But at the very least, all of Adam West's parts, as well as, well as uh, 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 Candy slash Candace Azera uh, as his wife. Like, I think yeah. they're an unbelievably great duo and are the best part of this movie. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, like, I, I think, like, that's why, to me, it is an undiscovered gem to some extent, is, like, beyond look well. Like, this is the only other thing I can truly think of that realized at this time that, like, Adam West is very funny in this yeah. specific way. And he also, this was the first time I ever, because I think we've also been talking about it a fair amount, is, like, realized where I was like, is he one of the unsaid, like, precursors to Matt Barry. Like, in that, his pronunciation and way he holds himself is this always heightened version of a reality that is only a reality that lives within Adam West, and the same as Matt Barry. Like, there were some jokes where I was like, well, it's not really a joke, but goddamn, it's funny when he's saying it. It feels like Jeff Goldblum, like a proto-Jeff Goldblum. Like, what Jeff Goldblum is... Uh, uh, transforming into right, right, now. right. Yes, exactly. And then it's not in a, uh, uh, it's not in a walk-in way. Like it's not like, oh, Adam no. West doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's well aware of his persona, and it kind of that's the fun part is it translates, and he seemingly has a sense of humor. Like he found the way to kind of do his Adam West thing. Yeah, And every time it killed me. And I was like, oh, right. Like, I love this part as a kid. This is why I think I watched it. And I also had one of those crazy moments where there's like a couple lines where much like Ed O'Neill's speeches in Wayne's World that we've talked <laughs> about, where I was like, did this oddly like fit its way into the milieu of like how I would write, especially sketch comedy and the cadence of some jokes like where Just I would losing your subconscious. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause I really do think like there were certain things where I was like, oh, I remember that. And I would definitely try to write some like 
you know, like cadence jokes are very funny to me. And it's not like Matt Barry was the first one that I noticed. Matt Barry was like later in my comedy career, like, you know, of really getting into UCB. And it, I, again, I don't want to like revisionist history, like doing time on planet Earth is going to change your comedic view on the world. But <laughs> there are a couple lines, at least for young Jeff, where I think it was in my subconscious of like, I said it right at the beginning, but when Adam West poses, they pose as cops to come in because, so because what they are, they think they are aliens. So Adam West and his wife uh, are playing these two like weirdos. And they think they are aliens as well. And why we get to the, how we get B-52s in uh, at the beginning is that his wife, uh, Candace slash Candy, who it was also killing me where I like knew her from. She's in everything as well. But yeah. there's there's like one specific thing that I can't think of growing up. But she has a giant B-52s beehive that yeah. when we first meet her has a bird <laughs> in it. Like there's a... It, it houses their pet parrot, which is very funny. <laughs> I felt like I was going insane during that part. Right. Well, because... I was like, wait, did that happen? Yeah. And I only didn't have to, because I remembered it as a kid, because it is, it's one of the elements that, again, makes it feel like light John Waters, light Savage Steve Hollins, like, because it also is clunky a little why they're there and how they first show up at this family dinner. Because, like, you know, a main crux of what this movie is is uh, our protagonist's uh, 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 brother is getting married. Uh, yeah. And he's getting married. To, it's kind of like classic 80s, like, plot. Like, he's getting married to a socialite daughter and the parents don't approve. The dad doesn't really care. The mom really doesn't. And they're a little bit more Sunnydale, Arizona uh family so they're they live in a holiday inn they own a holiday inn that is known to be a rotating holiday inn which will in theory well, become a spaceship <laughs> um but well, yeah, yeah. The, the the restaurant is the yeah the yeah the restaurant part. at the top of the holiday inn which in dallas we had the same thing uh reunion tower oh really uh yeah reunion tower it, it was shaped exactly the same and it was a rotating restaurant uh I never got to eat in there, but it was like, uh, but I would see shows a lot at the Reunion Arena, uh huh, which eventually became the American Airlines Arena. <laughs> right, you know how that goes. Yes, yeah. but that's the thing. Like again, like that's where it feels like Midwestern Southern. Like it's not a New England movie. Like, and it's yeah. not an LA movie. Like it is just like. It makes se- it does feel like if you were like, yeah, someone from Athens, Georgia made this movie. Like, you're <laughs> right, like, right. yeah, I get it, man. Like, I totally now I understand. Um, uh, but yeah, and so and and so the this couple is coming in to try to uh, c- uh convince the kid that he is going to be the leader of their alien race. Uh, that that at one point, as Adam West describes, like. A bunch of aliens came down and made it <laughs> with a bunch <laughs> of humans. Uh, and did they explain that in a in a very funny like kind of uh, uh, like video that was also I was like, oh, this is like again, I don't want to get too lofty, but like p- proto look around you like low rent, uh, yeah. low production value kind of humor. Um, uh, but yeah, so like the. It, it Adam West throughout, and we'll get to more parts where he's great, but like he's just really he's really fucking funny. Like the parts where yeah. he's in really fucking sore. Um so yeah, we 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 after that intro, we kind of just start the movie. Uh 
again, throughout two, it was constantly, and I'm sure you felt it. I'd be like, where do I know that person from? Like uh-huh. the hotel manager who has the glasses. Like I was like, I know him from something. And yeah. he's in everything. He's in Benson. He's in like every 80s sitcom. But he well, also that's is. Why. Yeah. yeah. Like I think he's it's just our like, childhood. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> the guy who would deliver the line the way he does, but in different strokes. Or yeah. the probably one <laughs> line he had in Spaceballs. Uh, yeah. He's like a kind of like an Eddie Deason type of, right. you know, character actor. I mean, here's the, when I realized his last big credit where I was like, oh, he was on Match Game. Like, total oh, that type right. of actor where you're like, even in 1976, I bet a lot of people were watching Match Game and were like, where do I know exactly Charles Nelson Riley from? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I know I know oh, it's him. only this, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I just know him for, he's the Jim J. Bullock of <laughs> of this movie. Um but that was the other part. It's like throughout, I would be like just constantly sitting there writing to myself like, oh, the protagonist's best friend is the kid from Teen Wolf. Yeah. Which was driving me. It was like. Me too. And I was like, what else? And I was like, oh, yeah, Amazon Women on the Moon. He's, on like, Amaz- yeah. he's in Amazon Women on the Moon. Yes, exactly. And it's so weird, too, because like so then I was like, wait, is there some carryover in like production company with Teen Wolf somehow? Because like. Not only so he's playing his best friend. I think it's like Wild Man Stan or something. I think it's, or Wild it's Man a, Dan. The cliche like horny best friend. Yeah. yeah, he's the corny best friend who thinks he's kind of cool and is always trying to get laid. Yeah, and the joke is wearing a boob hat. He's wearing a boob hat, uh, and he's his and kind of the running joke is that the girls keep getting younger. <laughs> younger, oh, yeah. yeah. That one part where you're like, Ugh. yeah, he's hitting on like a 10, 12 year old. Yeah, you're like, oh boy, guy, guy, but. So he plays like a Styles style character, which he wasn't in Teen Wolf. In Teen Wolf, he's the friend who is scared of Scott turning into werewolf. And it always was slightly unclear. It felt like in Teen Wolf, it must have been one of those scenes they kind of cut that gave a little bit more expository to it. Um, As someone who's watched Teen Wolf a lot. Uh, <laughs> I truly love Teen Wolf as a movie. It's like, you know. Oh, yeah. As a kid, I loved it. Even Teen Wolf 2. Even Teen Wolf 2, man. Because, hey, most college universities, their entire financial backing is off of their boxing team. What? <laughs> um, but um, also, Win in the End is one of the best 80s montage songs from Teen right. Wolf. Uh, yep. I might have brought this up on the podcast before, but I once uh, was editing a short film, and I used that as a training montage song. And we actually had to, like, we found, like, the the the, the wife of, I think Mark Safan might have been the writer. I could be wrong. And we had to like, he had passed away. We got the rights oh. from her. Because um, it's Damn. a it's a perfect song. I listen to it yeah. on the regular. Um, which is much like this kid. One of the ways we know the protagonist is a weirdo, because there are many things they're trying to show us that he's a weirdo, is he has a jukebox full of TV themes. <laughs> yeah. So, which is, yeah. To, which I, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, Frank, is like, your reaction to that is like why this movie also feels not right to me and it's like light everything because sometimes it just feels like a collection of just random weird. Like Yeah, that's that's what annoys me too. And it feels like of this type of like of a time where it's like, 
oh, white kid weirdo, like, I'm I'm an outcast. I'm not liked, you know? It's like that kind of, like, thing where it's like, it's like, okay, but I know it annoyed me in, in that aspect. I can't really verbalize why the white kid weirdness, like, I think type part of, of thing it where it's so that makes him special, and it's right. like you're not special right. just because you're kind of quirky and you're not ostracized. Like, never mind. But it's also why I think I liked it as a kid somewhat because I, right. I didn't like school, I hated my hometown. I wanted to Me think too. I was beyond it. So, like, when I yeah. saw it, I was like, oh, cool, this is going to work for me. Yeah. I think now it annoys me because I think I'm like, do I want to do more research on Darren Star? Because it feels like, look, man, Maybe you're watching him. a John Waters movie. You know that's John Waters. Like, John exactly. Waters walks the fucking walk. Savage Steve Holland seems like yep. he walked the walk. And, like, knowing this guy went on to create 90210, Melrose, Etc. I'm like, were you just oddly trying to tap into certain things, or were you really living that? Like, who knows? Like, we've seen plenty yeah. of people who start off like really subculture and then become the most normo normos you've ever seen. But <laughs> right. there's, there's, I think that's the thing is I because I have still such a love, and maybe that's how you were feeling too. I was like, wait, is my bullshit meter going? Sometimes even an 88 movie that right. like. Because, yeah, there's, like, I'm, like, why? Like, why why that he's listening to the Munsters theme and to the Magnum P.I. theme? Is that, like, the sign he's an alien? Like, I yeah. I was just, like, especially, in, I don't know. I mean, also because, like, I legitimately, I mean, it's, like, me being defensive in my subconscious. Because I'm, like, I know, I was listening to Magnum P.I. theme the other day. Like, Tom Post was an amazing fucking theme songwriter. That I mean, song it's is, great. That song is so good, Frank. I mean, it is insane. No, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's one of the best TV themes. I mean, I'm, I personally, I'm, uh, Simon and Simon is my favorite uh, yeah. TV theme. It's very, very good. It's just got that saucy sax, baby. It does. You gotta get that saucy sax. But I think that's the thing. Like, the even, like, that's where maybe sometimes I was worried that, like, as an adult now I'm watching, and I was like, maybe this is why it isn't the kind of unheralded classic, is that some of it rings true in that, like, the Munsters theme actually fits into that kitschy world that we were talking about. Like, yeah, absolutely. That, like, borderline tiki shit that I don't care about, but, like... Yeah, could, the ro- the horror rockabilly, you know, total horrorbilly. Total psychobilly Venn diagram. Yeah. And goddamn, do I hate psychobilly. But get that... <laughs> I like Psycho. Oh, boy, Frankie. I know. This is one of those. We love each other. and We also differ. Like, if you have a coffin stand-up bass, get that thing out of my face. Dude, Put it on a shirt. Give me Rocket from the Crypt, and I'm but all that's about the thing. it. I can do, but then then I'll have, like, a couple Rocket songs. I'm like, all right, you got me, you <laughs> no. jackasses. But, uh, <laughs> Fuck, I love that band. Yeah. I, but that's the thing is, like, then it, like, the Magnum P.I. thing doesn't track. Where I'm just like, that's just right. a kick-ass song. So now... And, like, he's got a lot of plants in his room. Like, it's not really explained what that means, I don't think, unless I missed it. He sleeps in a hammock. Uh, because you have to see how unusual and weird he is. He's not of this world, Jeff. I know. Like, that's the th- I guess, like, I was just like, even then, you could have found weirder things sometimes. Like, I'm just like, alien, not alien, sleeping in a hammock is not comfortable. Like, you're getting maybe a 15-minute nap, tops. Like, um, But you're right, Jeff. It feels like when we note, like, a third draft of a sketch, and you're like, okay, for the consistency of this, maybe it should be I Dream a Genie instead of Magnum P.I. 100%. Because it fits into that 
Like, you know, you're like, it's 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 where it needs to be, but it has a little couple of twerks. Yeah. Twerks. Tweaks. It needs <laughs> but then twerking. Working more twerking. But I We're think twerking. that's the thing. Like it doesn't shot wise and, and and production wise, it doesn't feel like a student film, but it reads like a student film to some extent. Yeah. Like it does read like early draft of someone trying to tap into like what's weird i don't know like and 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 it works sometimes and other times it doesn't uh uh you know again i realize it has another venn diagram overlap with the big picture a movie i love yeah that weird like kind of like a little bit off aesthetic like the music in the big picture is a little bit off in a good way uh yeah it, it's like it's like a Ferris Bueller's for like weirdo yes. weirdos. Yes. A fair, sorry, it feels like a Ferris Bueller's day off for weirdos. Yeah. But also, then now we're both worried that it was like, but fake for weirdos. <laughs> I know, and it's one of those things. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember this TV show? It was maybe it was only a pilot. I think it was only a pilot, but it was called Alan Watches TV. It sounds familiar. Look it up, but it like kind of has that kind of aesthetic to it, where it's like right. that late '80s or I think it was the guy who was in Parker Lewis that okay. might have been the star of that, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But it has that kind of feel where it's like weird kid who like fantasizes and like you know, right. it has like these kind of weird like Herman's Heady type of. I mean, not right. Herman's Head because that's a very specific like people in his yeah, head. Yeah, but yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of offbeat. You know. Wait, did he aesthetic. watch TV and they'd show TV clips? Well, like the Smothers brothers like appear in it and they talk to him, you know, like he's he's like a fan of all he does is watch TV. And like the TV gives him like, you know, people on the TV and stuff like give him life advice and it's kind of like man quirky and yeah. That's like both like totally makes sense idea and I can't see how that would work. Like a, like it a, a yeah. verse like once you get the Smothers brothers and you're like, "Wait, now we got to get like Red Fox." Like you're like exactly. how are we going to make this happen every week? Um yeah, and I get I'm also aware that like we're doing this deep dive critique of a movie that literally almost no one can watch, but it's like it is the same thing that even when I'm watching Ferris Bueller's, I'll sit there and be like, I don't know if I buy that he listens to Cabaret Voltaire. Like there's a Cabaret <laughs> right, Voltaire yeah, exactly. poster. <laughs> or I know why it's <laughs> happening, but in like high fidelity, like how when it's like the the store is covered with victory records hardcore stickers and i'm like i know it's because they're in chicago and but it doesn't exactly read or like any of those times where you're like clearly the set designer has friends at the warp tour and needs to oh, get yeah. this like millen colon like fucking poster on their like 10 foot pole and you're like i don't know if this cool girl listens to that but either way so it just <laughs> it has some of that aesthetic like worrisome aesthetic to me as a snobby old hardcore kid um but so i I did want to go back to the teen wolf kid because also i don't know if you noticed but boof from teen wolf is in there for literally like five seconds oh shit that's right i was like why is she so familiar yeah yeah boof (laughs) you do a good fox man come on and and i will say too like this this is another uh, uh, this is connects to the movie as well. Why I think this movie is also slightly resonating with me. Boof lived in the same world, and we'll put this in the classic category of young Jeff's uh, sexual awakenings. Oh, because uh, yeah. I had a crush on Boof, and 
you know, this movie, there's a bunch of shit in that that I was like, oh, right. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, he gets with this girl who's like the punk girl kind yeah. of in the town. And she's into this and like, you know, like not For to sure. be a horny white guy, but I was like, oh, right. As soon as I saw her in that like negligee outfit, I was like, oh, I remember that as a kid. Oh, boy. Yep. Put this in the Red Shoe Diaries catalog. <laughs> Dude, I remember it, too. It yeah. really was like um, uh, like phantom tingles of a young... <laughs> I think that is a Frank great... Dis- it's it. like, it is a bummer sometimes when you're like with your wife who you love. And I've been with for so long, but I'm like, I can't explain that I'm getting phantom tingles. Like, is really the summary. Um, uh, but it happens watching too many of these old films uh, yeah. that I grew up with. But... So yeah, Boof shows up and I was like, oh, is there some weird connection in the production company or was she, because she didn't do much stuff either. Like, no. you know, the, 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 the protagonist of this movie was only in like one law and order and like one other thing. And then she gave up acting, I think, and like focused on her family and did some like actual business work, uh, was smarter yeah. than the rest of us. Um, yep. but yeah, I, and so I was like, oh, was there maybe some connection to Teen Wolf? Like, but there's no information, so who fucking knows? Yeah. Um, I also, so his sister, Ryan, who's the protagonist, his sister is the main woman slash, again, love interest in Phantasm 2. Oh, shit. Yeah, which is one of my Damn favorite it. horror films ever. I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, I kept like, yeah, like you were saying, like, watch, I'm like, I, I think I know them. Yeah. And I haven't seen Phantasm 2 in a while, I I'm, was watching the marathon they did last year on Shutter, uh-huh. and I happened to miss it, and I started watching from three, I think. But yeah, I think they might have not had to. I think because two is a weird rights issue. Oh, uh, really? I could be wrong, but I think it's like because two was like, I think has bigger backing, like it's maybe Universal or something. So it's why oh. it also sometimes feels like. Oh, this is just kind of like one, but redone with. It's like Evil Dead Two versus Evil Dead One, sort right, of thing. Right, right, right. But I also yeah. think Phantasm Two is is one of my favorite movies, uh, horror movies. Is I like better than Phantasm One, and I used to say in sketch classes I would teach is my favorite uh, horror movie trailer ever. Uh, but oh, really? it's just the structure of it. You should watch it after. We might even share it on the Twitter. It's very, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it, it cool. I used to sit around waiting for my school bus uh <laughs> saying it to myself because i liked the way the dialogue was because uh, i was crazy this is yeah. elementary school um uh but yeah so that girl was in phantasm 2 in this uh movie she plays the sister who is just vicious like i know like to the, the point where i was time. like oh my god stop yelling at this kid like yeah he's not weird enough to yell at this much is what you said it's overkill it's definitely overkill right i when watching this i was like oh if they made this today pete davidson would play uh our uh not Al, uh ryan yeah that makes and sense and then uh adam scott would play the brother <laughs> yes. that's a good mix man yeah that's exactly who it would be Oh, man. Yeah, you and me. Let's help the remake of Doing Time on Planet Earth. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I want to do. Write something for Pete Davidson. Perfect. This is going to work <laughs> out great for you specifically, Frank. Um, yeah. But yeah, I will say another can. This is a canon thing. I thought he'd so he's doing us. The kid's doing a slideshow 
about himself uh-huh. to the new family at the wedding party. And I was like, pretty good way to introduce information. Like, it's kind of interesting. We're finding out that he's just a weirdo. He's been hit by lightning twice. He has an extra vertebrae. Uh, That's what feels like a Savage Steve Holland. That yes. whole part, yeah. He makes weird glottal sounds all the time. He has to take some sort of supplement uh, because he can't process uh, uh, artificial sugar, I think, or something. I hated that scene. Yeah. At the, speaking of Boof, that, that whole scene with Boof where she's like, they're trying to get set him up with So, her. no. So, okay. Frank, you're mixing up what? people who you would be like, who the fuck is that? So, that's oh, no. not Boof. Okay. That Boof was in the first scene we see with the best friend, and she only walks out of the high school classroom for like one second. But who you're thinking of is, oh, what is her name? She, I was sitting there going, why do I know her too? It's the woman who played the sister on Life Goes On. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Lizzie uh, Blanket on her fucking name. Uh, oh, I have it written. It'll show up in here somewhere, but that's who that is. But it's again another person. It's like, why do I know you? The whole time I couldn't pay attention to that scene. Yeah, that he's forced to be on a uh, set update and then ends up punching her because he punching burps. her, burping. I just hated that whole when he's like, "Is this something?" Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "Oh, shut the fuck up!" That is the hard burping, part. Like so disgusting, and then he like punches her and it's like, yeah. So yeah, Boof shows up and then. I, I was getting confused on the blood drive joke. Uh, I'm trying to get a move because I realize we are 54 minutes in and we haven't even oh, yeah, yeah. gotten to really talk about this movie. Well, the blood drive joke was just because he uh, was going to ask out the nurse who usually... That's what was you know, going on. I got confused. Again, wasn't here. It was supposed to be that there was a hot nurse and then it's a not yeah. hot nurse. Felt Savage Steve Holland again. Yep. Like Felt like a, a classic. Like I could picture... Uh, 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 the hell's that guy's name? From Gross Point Blank. I love that I can uh, remember every shitty, like, small, tiny actor's name. But I Cusack? Can't. John Cusack? Yeah, John Cusack, a huge actor. I thought you were talking about Kurt, uh, uh, Curtis... Um, Armstrong? Uh, Armstrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I could totally picture Curtis Armstrong uh, in this as well. Man, Curtis Armstrong, I love you so much. I really... Man, he's the best. When yeah. I went to that pizza place that's famous in Eagle Rock for the first time when we moved here, they've got all the signed stars... Uh, and their photos. The only one I cared about, Casabianca, Curtis Armstrong. Curtis Armstrong, baby. I was so happy to see him. Uh, Every time I hear Curtis Armstrong's name, it reminds me of, uh, not to get off tangent, kind of getting into your other podcast. Uh, but remember Acceptable TV, the Dan Harmon, yeah. uh, Jack Black uh, sketch show on VH1 that didn't last yep. uh, even like even a season, but they had a Law and Order parody called uh law and order production like basically it was just a law and order show about producing law and order shows or creating right. law and order shows and uh one of it's like uh one of the jokes was that they got curtis armstrong to be one of the guest stars love it yep. all about that all about any curtis armstrong um yep but yeah like we meet his love interest who again early garlock crush like mm-hmm. like the kind of punk girl who's singing poorly at their at the holiday inn uh cafe and yep. i was like what is this song and she's singing macarthur park <laughs> like, yeah. which is such a again there's a lot of jokes like that where you're like what is this joke who is this i for? thought those scenes were really funny when they she were. was singing I, she, I loved those scenes i thought that was really but funny even that like singing. why like i guess again i'm just like 
it's weird because I know who it's for. You and me both thought they were funny and who is it for? Like, it's a weird, because it took me a while to even figure out it was MacArthur Park. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, but yeah, like, this is also where I was like, oh, right. This is like, again, like a Klausner uh, 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 nest movie. Because it was yeah. like, they start to, he's sitting there watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yep. And, and Plan 9. And then playing that, like, yeah, it's just like a mix of like, okay, so this is that kitschy stuff. And we just come out yep. of like, he was trying to find a date on CompuServe. Uh, <laughs> and it's a bunch of weird questions. He's just like, yes, I'm a weirdo. And somehow it's, I guess. So was Adam West, that couple, were they running the dating service he used? Is that what the joke? I think, okay. Yeah, I think it was maybe a front so that they could... But it feels like a very elaborate front unless they had put their cr- criteria. You know how like in um, – I mean, you know, Jeff, right? Because all the dating sites oh, you were so on. Oh, so many. No. <laughs> when I, and, and back in the day, like, I mean, this is how uh, long ago I was single. But like uh, of a like um, – fuck, now I even forgot the name of the, the service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not match because it wasn't match.com, but it, it wasn't Bumble. <laughs> it was like before that. Uh, God, I can't even remember what the name of the service was. But you put like in like you know you E-Harmony? answer all these questions. What eHarmony? Uh, I don't think it was That's eHarmony. That's the Christian it was another, one. Yeah, there were so fucking many in the like aughts. Anyway, yeah. uh, but like you would like fill out like all the like criteria and stuff like that. So I think maybe they had made a profile like that. Right. And then based off of his like answers, it started to ping, and then it connected them, and that's right. how. Some classic yeah. old school eighty eight like DOS hacking. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> way beyond our pay grade of that type of hacking. Um, <laughs> uh, and then again, like weird, like this is again another like when he he tries to go tell his best friend. The best friend is hitting on someone by saying like we could go rent like a real gnarl movie. Like, I spit on your grave, which also I was like, is that the first time I really heard of I spit on your grave? I know. I was like, what an offbeat, you know, off-color joke. And I guess the joke that the girls saw it, because then he also suggests I dismember mama, and she saw that as well. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. I mean, that's something for young Jeff uh, yeah. there. Again, throughout, there's just, like, a lot of things where I was like, was this supposed to be a joke? And I don't get it. Like, is there a joke that the marquee of the theater is playing a raisin in the sun. I don't think yeah. so, but maybe. <laughs> I know. I was like, is that a joke? Uh, because the town's so white. Right. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> is that what it's supposed to? Maybe. Like, it's so subtle. And then, Frank, what is Maureen Stapleton doing in this movie? I. She was in Cocoon. She's like, a, I know. Like, was it a friend? Oh, you think it was a favor? Like she she's she runs the 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 balloon store, yeah. Where he goes in to get some helium to check if yeah. he can take in uh, gases that are not oxygen. That feels like a Mathau, uh, like a, a like a kind of favor, a favor to Mathau, dude. Where Walter's like, my son is directing a, a movie. Could you go in there and forgot do a short scene about that's a good Mathau. I love it. Forgot. That's not a good Mathau. I liked don't, it. Don't, I liked don't, it. Don't. <laughs> Let's say I liked it. I not a good one. Uh, I forgot about Mathau. So yes, that legitimately makes sense. The Mathau connection because it's it's a thankless role. Like it's like yep. and and unless she really just like felt like working, 
like or maybe needed something for whatever reason because this is after cocoon uh yeah. you know and i don't remember when cocoon the return came out but maybe around there so i think yeah i think it, maybe a year later or that year it came out that's the thing so like but yeah it's yeah. odd it's odd and that scene itself too that whole run of like him trying to figure out like when he's sucking in the helium and it like doesn't like he's like, I'm like what what is this right but that's the parts that st- i remember that as a kid me too it, like it's so weird but yeah it is what is this and then his book ended with such a savage steve holland joke that goes nowhere that yeah. the representative <laughs> from university of kuwait shows up because oh my because God. he wants to go somewhere far away. So he keeps applying to schools that are like in like Trinidad, Tobago and like Kuwait. And it might as well be like Jamie Farr from Cannonball Run dressed as a Middle Eastern man. Like it's, it's such offensive brown face. Yeah. Like, and it's such a like of the time that being like, oh, it's funny that we're doing the accent yeah. like this. I mean, it's. I mean, well, because look, I mean, we short circuit too, you know. Like, I know it's also though it's like not enough of a scene. No, to do it's like that not even joke. useful. No, it go, it doesn't deliver information, and it doesn't lead to anything. He kind of is just like, I can't deal with you right now. I I can take in helium, uh, and then so you're essentially just like, oh, so we just watched a brown face scene that didn't even lead to. A joke. I don't even know if there was a joke in it. Um, The joke was the fact that they're doing that accent. I think so. Obviously, a white guy doing this huge, broad impression. Right. And it's like, not impression, but like stereotype. And it's like, that's, that's, this is what we talk about, like, you know, with the lens of now being like, what's the joke? Like, there's nothing earned. There's no, there's nothing like you're not there's no value to this joke. So it's like, it's not like, so then where people get defensive being like, it's fucking funny. Just it's like, no, but there's no value to it. Yeah. It really breaks. It doesn't poke fun at it. It just is what it is. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no subtext. There's no, uh, uh, satire or, you know, there's nothing that's pointed to being like, well, what, what we're pointing at is this thing. It's like, no, it's just because you thought the voice was funny and you wanted to dress him up like that. Like, story-wise, though, I'm just thinking, do you think they thought they needed that scene and then added that kind of joke because they needed to show that recruiters were coming to the house and that's why it's not confusing to the family? Uh, I just realized that it's not confusing to the family when Adam West and his wife show up that's and, they, true. and they look weird just like right. the Middle Eastern guy, which is oh, offensive. Boy. So it's, it's problematic in a different yeah. way. Yeah. So we actually I mean, it's still problematic in found, its, its own way. Yeah. yeah, we found the story reason, but also found a new problematic element to yeah. a, a <laughs> seemingly useless problematic scene. Because, I did love the scene that what followed of Adam West and her coming in. And so good. I, the, there was, I wrote down um, uh, when the guy at the table asked, like, oh, what, what are you up to at Berkeley? That whole scene where Adam West is explaining what they're doing with her right. at Berkeley yeah. is so fucking funny. His delivery on that and the way he's so excited and the way they're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, I thought that was the best scene. I like that dad, too. The dad was, oh, I yeah. think, the actor who plays Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito's one of these sperm donor dads in Twins. Oh, really? Uh, when they find I don't remember. The, I haven't seen it so long. I just rewatched Twins again because I love Arnold in a comedy. But 
uh, I think he's the dad they find who was the good looking one who gave Arnold his good looking genes. And he's like kind of supposed to be like Jack LaLanne. Um, but I did kind of also love, I think he maybe the joke was that he ran for president and they're friends with the Reagans, but he's always reading a presidential biography. That's funny. <laughs> like, it's not a bad running joke. But yeah, Adam West and, and Candy uh, uh, Azera kill it in that scene. Yeah. And they're so weird. And when they leave <laughs> and he says, thanks for a wonderful dinner, peas, carrots, ham. <laughs> like... I know, I love that. That's a Garlock line. I stole that somehow. Like, it's just like that seared itself in my brain as a non-joke joke. That's a Matt yeah. Barry joke. Like, honestly, like, I almost want to, like, if I rewatch this ever again, I'd just do it picturing Matt Barry saying Adam West lines and be like, oh, oh yeah, you're the new Adam West. Like, this is why I love both of you. Um, yeah. But. I wrote down uh, a, a few times, this scene feels like cocaine. Yeah. Well, because. Even with that racist problematic scene we talked about, it doesn't set up enough of yeah. why they're there, why the family's fine letting them sit down, and then the insanity that the two of them blurt out as soon as they come in. Because, again, this is the scene where we're first introduced to the wife who has... We also didn't mention she has... Un- she used to run a nail shop, so she has unbelievably long nails, pre-people oh, yeah. having unbelievably long nails. And again, has a giant B-52 style beehive that has a live parrot that they are keeping into it. And they call them back. I think by going like, oh, no. <laughs> I know that was funny. I was like, what the fuck is happening? really good. And then has to and then has to when the bird gets back in, sprays it with uh, hairspray lotion or hairspray. And then she's like, don't you use too much. The bird's not going to be able to get out. <laughs> like I was like, good joke. Kind of funny. Um, she yeah, I that part also it was so weird the way remember when she was like about to fuck him and yeah. she makes that weird slurping noise. <laughs> Dude, yeah, because so they end up like finally when they're telling what's going on, they explain that like a main plot point is our protagonist has a DNA packet in his brain and he needs something tra- like big to happen. He, they need something big to happen to him, traumatic. Um, and they keep trying to come up with ways to like set it off. Like they try to kidnap him at one point. They come into his school dressed as cops. <laughs> That's just funny. Man, all just that her beehive. That yeah, her beehive is popping out of the, the, the cop hat. She kills it. Adam West destroys in that scene. That's where that beginning line is. He plants drugs on the kid. <laughs> You're and, right. And he says, look at this, snookers, DBs, hooplas, and breathments. And I was like, oh, yeah, that might be where I got coming up with weird, funny names for drugs. Like, because it's like, (laughs) and when he leaves, they get him on the bus. Adam West does that turnaround to the students and has his hands out. And he goes like, we got everything. We got him. Everything's under control. (laughs) Like, that delivery (laughs) is beautiful like i mean like where i was like this saves the entire fucking movie to me yeah um and but then inter intercut with that is weird moments of like jokes that aren't joke where he's like he says i still think central plumbing is weird but i still flush is what the protagonist says like yeah kind of a joke um just odd jokes but yeah just to get to what you were saying when they get him in the van they talk about how 
they realize he's a virgin. And so they realize, oh, he should have sex. And so the wife offers herself to him, but yeah. does it by like, what does she say? She says, uh, oh, she she shows her crazy long nails and she says, these are my tools for pleasure and pain. <laughs> yeah. I thought that delivery was really funny. And then she does that weird slurp noise. Yeah, she does an unexplained weird slurp noise. And also, again, Frank, I mean, seriously, put it on the list. Young sexual Jeff. I was like, <laughs> oh, boy, the phantom tingles are back, baby. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. This is I was where like, uh, some of your kink comes in. I think, honestly, so I was like, okay, yeah. okay. We're doing time of planet Not going to yuck your yum, no. Jeff. You are, oh, bye bye. You got to talk to my Jungian therapist about this one. Um, there was a weird ADR moment after that part when they exit the van. Mm-hmm. And Adam went, like, the ADR is like they try to get a match, but they were doing it like while they were high. Uh huh. Because they did like a really weird re- read. Because when they get out and Adam West, like, looks at him, he goes, If not, I have some other mind bashing alternatives. Yeah. It sounds weird because he goes, if not, I have some other mind bashing. Like, he says it really weird. Like, it's a bad impression or something. Yeah. But like, it feels like ADR voice matching. Sometimes I'll get requests for voice matching for actors since I do impressions. Yeah. And, like, you have to try to approximate so they, they can fill it in for movies when actors aren't available. Yeah. And that uh, that felt like one of those moments where they were like, ah, fuck it, whatever. There's no way that could have been Adam White. Because it's, like, not even, like, a joke. It's just an odd move. I agree. Like, that one... It, it really shocked me when it happened. <laughs> um, such a weird voice they decided to go for. But, uh, so yeah, he ends up, like, so that that punk girl who's the cabaret singer, uh, yeah. she he has a crush on her, and then she starts to, she wants to hang out with him because she's like, who are those weirdos you were hanging out with? They look just like the B-52s. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is an odd movie. Uh, and then that leads to him, like, kind of hanging out with her. She gives him moose, like, and makes right. his hair funky. Um, uh, uh, but again, was, like, the beginning, because, like, it's what you said. It's, like, such, like, such cliche, like, white guy fantasy. I wrote that down, too. Right? Of just like, oh, yeah, I, like, I, oh I said little boy fantasy. Yeah, it like, feels like, yeah. I'm the only one. I'm the one in this town who's going to like make it and I'm going to be saved by this hot girl who knows about cool stuff. And it's like, it's the tough guy version or tough woman version of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But instead, it's yep. like the, 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 uh, you know, uh, rough Tony Katane, like, yeah, it's like the yeah. the, the metal girl it's, video um, girl. Yeah, it's the metal fi- and also it's um uh uh I don't know if you ever saw Vision Quest. Yeah, uh, Vision Quest Matthew Modine. Like that was like my brother's right. like one of his favorite movies. He he actually got access to Remember in like uh video stores they would have the cardboard cutouts that were like yeah. huge. He somehow got the Vision Quest one and had it in his room. Oh um, wow. But it's essentially about Ma- about Matthew Modine who's a uh high school wrestler who's trying to do his Vision Quest to like figure out who he is in this steel town and it ends up being uh Linda Fiorentino coming in and she oh. stays at his place. and Linda Fiorentino another love yeah. huge Garlock. Yeah. Uh, she's oh, what yeah. we might have talked about before, but like 
you know how sometimes, especially here, like you see celebrities and you're like, oh, in person, they kind of look like aliens. Like you yeah. realize like how much shit is done to them in movies. And you're like, I don't think I'm attracted to you if I'm only going on the base level. I yeah. saw Linda Fiorentino in New York getting on the MTA to uh, Metro North to Connecticut. Stunning. Like looks yeah. exactly like just like look like a human <laughs> being. I think that's why she looked like a human being. Um, yeah. But she plays the same kind of role. And no matter I rewatched Vision Quest recently. I was like, pretty good movie. I see why I was into it. Dio's on the soundtrack, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but she's like 22, 24, like, you know, trying to make it out of this town. Like she's a drifter and she ends up with this high school senior. And I'm like. it's something weird about it now but like as a kid you're hoping but that's what this like that woman is like a different type of that time and and it played into our bullshit young child fantasies (laughs) um uh every time by the way every time i hear matthew modine i can only hear it in the jiminy glick voice (laughs) matthew Matthew modine matthew modine (laughs) Yes, <laughs> such a, man. I love Modine. I love Gross Anatomy, another movie of his that I'm really oh, yeah. impressed with. Uh, where I got the first idea of using lupus as a disease in sketches. Um, but oh boy, uh, yep. Uh, uh, but yeah, Adam West also doing that snapping thing as he pointed around rooms. So funny. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like so. So basically, the kid realizes. He keeps trying to, like, make his DNA pack explode. So, like, he keeps... He finally yells at his sister, kicks her out, like, you know, is reacting to people, but then realizes the way he needs to do it, again, young kid fantasy, is he goes to the woman's... Her trailer. Uh Uh-huh. And is, like, basically, like, I need to have sex with you to unleash this DNA packet so I can escape. And as she said, I've had I've I've done it for weirder reasons. So yeah, well, he goes. He has a line that was so annoying to me because the way he delivered, he goes, "Some of us go to Hollywood, and some of us go." <laughs> and he points up, like you know, right? And she's like, right. "Well, I've done it for Stranger Things," <laughs> yeah. and then she like. Totally, like it's like such a little boy fantasy where you're like, yeah, it's it's like. Yeah, it's like the it's like the line that you could picture in the trailer of like, like there were a lot of lines like that. Yes, it's like you're set up for that like Shelley Long starring movie style trail that they do on that Saturday Night Live sketch we talked about, where it's just like, yeah, this protagonist has a desire lows, yeah, to like sketch. escape out of town, like and then that, hey, <laughs> yeah, I feel good. But yeah, that, that line looks hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Tracy Morgan kills it in that sketch. But yeah, I I think like that line is so annoying, and it's what you say. It's like it's like made to be featured. It's like they saw and were like, okay, we'll use that later. It's I like, wrote a few of those down. Also, the line of like, wow, you really were hard up. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because so what happens is. She's like, all right, fuck it. And she they don't get to uh actual penetration. Uh she just goes down and gives him a beeger. And yep. uh staring at a B-52's poster of the first album that she has in her trailer. She also has a Iggy Pop poster on her uh refrigerator, I noticed. Because yep. she's punk. Um and uh so getting a beeger. And busting a nut makes him realize, oh, 
they've been saying B-52 the whole time, which is also frustrating because maybe they didn't want to show the hand too much, but we see all the scenes where... It's so obvious. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, because I wrote down, like, why did they show us that there's a bingo scene? And then later I realized, but we don't hear them yell out B-52, I don't think. Yeah, you do. Oh, you do in the beginning. Okay, so I must. Have I wrote just kept that down. It. That was like one of the first things I wrote down. Being like B fifty two. I was like, oh, that's kind of a not a f- joke, but like I was like, right. that's interesting. So my complaint then goes the opposite because my complaint was going to be you can't have flashbacks and then it's information we didn't Inserted. see. Yeah, yeah, like that. It's like, well, I wasn't going to miss that. What are you talking about? But if they did say it now, I think it's like showing the hand too much almost. Because, yeah, he we realized that like she talks about the B-52s. The vitamin supplement he takes is a B-52. It drove me crazy. Yeah. Uh, like it, it was too on the nose. It's very, very on the nose. Because then what I kept he, writing down, why fucking B-52 again? I know. It's just like, but that's what it feels like student film first idea that maybe third draft, you'd start to be like, you know, I love this B-52s thing, but I don't, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I'm making it work. Like, you know, like, I think I might be kind of like forcing my hand a little. Uh, yeah. It worked in earlier drafts, I swear. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so he realizes that what they need to do is go to planet B-52 Adam yep. West realizes there is a planet B-52. And that's amazing. He's so amazing. Like, and and yeah, like in that video that we had seen where they're in lab coats, he shows us that the ancient prophecies that they found prophesized yeah. that there would be a hotel with a spinning top. That's I, why I wrote down he's amazing, because the way he's delivering that information is so good. I know. And that it would happen on a blue moon, which we've already established they're having the wedding on a blue moon. Kind of for unclear reasons. They give kind of a reason, but not really. It's a little Yeah, unclear. it's kind of a really quick justification. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Bachelor yeah. party. Bachelor. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so then he gets the beecher. He's happy. So he goes to his uh, brother's bachelor party uh, where uh, fake styles is they're doing beer chugging and won't stop talking to the dad, which is kind of fun. Um, uh, while the dad of the actual, of the protagonist is, you know, big chunk of this, again, a savage, savage Steve Hollandy thing, but also like kind of racial stereotype that doesn't lead to anything that like the, the spinning restaurant isn't working. So he has to bring in these top Japanese guys who really get it. Um, and they're kind of make the noises and stuff. Yes. This is 88, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Back in 88, we were too confusing to be racist, but definitely kind of <laughs> racist. Um, but yeah. And so they go to the bachelor party. Uh, they He realizes that actually she's she is a stripper uh, because the guy had been yelling his best friend over and over his words that she's a hooker. Uh, so that, you know, like, and cause she had said that she sets up lies in the town she lives in, cause it's just more fun that way. But then she wasn't, and but she's not a sex worker or she's a, not specifically like a prostitute. I had, it's, it's like weird. She's an entertainer. She's an entertainer. Yes. She's an entertainer across the board. So he's pissed about that. And then that makes him be like, I'm out of here. I'm going to space. (laughs) Um, uh, And then, just stupid. Um, And so then, 
that singer is like really funny. That when they get to the wedding, that yeah. wedding band's pretty funny scene. Like he that wedding singer's like proto the Dan band. Like from yeah. the fucking yeah, like Will Ferrell movies. I I also said it was like uh Kyle Gass's dad. Yeah, it is. Cause it has a lot of that same type of joke. It just like the way he delivers stuff is really funny. Um uh the love bug bit me, like legit made me laugh. Um, yeah, scratch that itch. <laughs> scratch that itch, so good. Um, but again, throughout, just constantly just being like, did this guy call in favor just for people that are in this movie? Like, just like, just like felt like just so many people kept showing up throughout that I was like, oh, even that singer, I was like, I recognize him from something, but I yeah. don't know what, uh, it, yeah, maybe it's just all actors. By the way, Kelly Martin is the name of that actress who plays the date. Oh, yeah, Kelly Martin, yeah. I just found her name. I wrote okay. it later in my notes. But yeah, to get so many people that you're just like, okay, this is either it's just early in their career or they're calling in favors and it's the math out connection. Um, yeah. Oh, because we didn't talk about, there was a scene that happens before the the wedding uh-huh. where there was, where the the rocker chick is like, trying to like speak to Ryan and he's like, uh, they're making up. Yeah. But there's organ music in the background that made it feel like I was going crazy. <laughs> right. If you had headphones in, look, there's just music in the background, organ music that I was like, oh, what is, I feel very disoriented. I might've even missed it because I was watching on the YouTube. Like what kind of organ music was it? Like it just haunting? felt like, yeah, it, it just like, I don't know. It felt like a weird, like, uh, Tim and Eric meets David Lynch type of organ. And I don't know. I don't think it was uh, meant to be, but it felt weird to me. Maybe in some ways that's where I was getting. Like, it's like the music to me in the big picture where again, like yeah. there's something in the music of the big picture where it's, you know what it is? It's like, it's like symphonic score, but through a bad sin. <laughs> yeah. So then it feels disconcerting. You're like, I don't think exactly. you mean this to be like a horror film or a thriller or a David Lynchian thing or maybe you do maybe you do and like we said this is all light david lynch light savage steve <laughs> holland light john waters um yeah. and so then yeah so they end up like i don't even remember like how did they make up like he's angry at her because she's a stripper and then yeah. she i like felt like i looked away for 10 seconds at the wedding and why did they why did he realize that he was being a dick? I I think it wasn't until after the fact that she called out the other mother. She said stupid bitches like you. And then like the uh, the his mom was like bravo. And then the the priest is like you may kiss the bride. <laughs> yes. It felt like there was so much mugging. I felt like that priest got hired because of his mugging uh, skills, but that scene felt like a kind of we always mention this, but like a David Wayne type of yeah joke yeah you know where they're like clearly making fun of like certain parts of movies where like the 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 you know quote unquote the bitch gets told off and right. people are like yeah right here here and then like it's like oh, if you don't mind let's continue <laughs> you know like that kind of hundred <laughs> percent yeah like, and you're like is it living in the trope or making fun of the trope it's hard to tell. Like a lot of jokes. This in one, it. I meant. This one was earnest. I think that. Really... I think it was because I and I maybe even so earnest that that's why I kind of forgot. I forgot about the wedding. I forgot that yeah. the the mother in law was like freaking out and was like, "You can't marry him because of the brother." 
because yeah. he's a weird. And yeah, she stood up for him. And so then he was like, yeah, you're right. I'm a jerk. But also now I'm fine with being an alien here. So fuck it. This whole He delivers thing. that line and then people are clapping at their wedding for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, what? Way to be a jerk again and take the fucking energy away from the thing we're uh. supposed to be watching there. Um, uh, but yeah, and so then they make up and they go to the wedding and then I guess because of the love of the the tough metal punk girl that we were all looking for when we were 15 uh, to 10. Uh, oh, like, yeah. That you, then you're like, fuck it. I can stay in Sunnydale, Arizona. I'm not going to help my dad attach a rope to it so that it could like jack, like jumpstart the hotel kind right. of, uh, which was his idea. Yeah. Yeah. Which was his idea. Uh, Adam West and them come in, uh, and as terrorists kind of totally murder a guy with a camera. Totally they shot him in the face. Camera. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they murdered him. Yeah. Kind of forgot about that murder. That was a shocking <laughs> turn of events at this wedding that they don't seem to have to have any, uh, comeuppance for, um, and then honestly, I'm not going to lie, Frank. I mean, as a, as a somewhat of a staunch defender of this film to some extent, and I babble and babbled about how important in a weird way it might've been at least in a very one to 10% at best. Uh, I don't really know what happened there. Like, I can't remember. Like, it's like they came in, he said no. And then it just kind of stopped. But I think cause I was zoning out so much. Like, it started just moving. The the thing moved really fast. Everyone's kind of freaking out. And then it was over. And I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, uh, that's where one of the lines that is like, this is a trailer line happened. When uh, the it's spinning around and our protagonist is against it. And he goes, uh, he goes, please, God, all I wanted was a date. <laughs> yes, that is such a fucking trailer line. That is a trailer moment. Uh. Um and then uh, <laughs> when when people were going through the lobby past that guy, uh-huh. uh, he said something. I was like, what did he say? He said, oh, my Lord, I want to change my life. What the hell is that? Yeah. With the gun. Yeah. So they 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 leave. I don't I you know what, Jeff? I got to be honest with you. I can't remember what happened either. I think there's not much of it. I think it just spins. It's like a time and, skip. Yeah. And they're like, did we? Oh, my God. Did we find a wrinkle in time and we skipped right through it? Holy shit. Oh, my God. This movie You know how, like, fantastic. UFO, like, people who get abducted by UFOs and they said that, like, time had, like, you know, shifted, like, where it's, like, it was, like, you know, 9 o'clock and all of a sudden they were back in their car and yeah. it was, like, 2 a.m. That's what happened to us watching this movie. This was our fire in the sky. Uh, we, <laughs> we disappeared and then showed back up on our couch um, one minute later and it yeah. was over. <laughs> yeah. Cause they just kind of leave. They give that guy the gun. I think I got distracted from that line because I was thinking about again, who he was and how I liked his delivery of lines, the holiday Inn manager, and then found the match game fact. And then I think Adam West and his wife just kind of leave and they make that joke as they're driving away about like, I always had a hunch about the Taj Mahal. I and know. So I think they're going to either go to Vegas or where the Taj Mahal is. Like, I think who knows? Um, and then I, and then again, it just, that's it. I think it just stops. It really does just kind of stop. I think I mean, we've had many of those, but it really is just the movie's over. Like it, it ends on a like fly, Fleischer animation type of 
ending where they're going through a cave and then lightning strikes, but that animation looks like the old Superman cartoons. Weird. I'm it is weird. Not gonna lie, Frank. I stopped and did not see the animation, but now <laughs> even that is making me go, "Oh, Savage Steve Hollins!" Like, yeah, that's animate. That's Eat the Cat. That's like you know, but it, like it wasn't, but it was that kind of animation where it's like they couldn't get the shot, so they like did a painting, kind of like matte painting type of oh, thing with certain yeah. elements of it, right? With the actual footage, because they're like, we want it to look a certain way, right? And that's what, I don't know, I wrote down, the last thing I wrote for this was, we don't even see the B-52s. Frank, Jesus Christ, same brain. I I just wrote, so weird, no B-52s in the entire movie. <laughs> like, like yeah. yeah, it really is weird. Like, after, like, writing also, it's a youth wish fulfillment. Like, if you were a big fan of the B-52s and you did come in, that's maybe also why it's not. You know, this isn't rock and roll high school where the Ramones are going to show up, you know? Like, no. Like, they have to show up. Like, they have to save the day, or you find out that, like, Adam West and uh, what's her name again? Uh, 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 Candy uh, Azera. Yeah. So, Candy, you find out that Candy. Oh, wait. I'm just uh, thinking of the. The the B fifty two song are Kate Pearson and Iggy Pop, Candy. Oh, Candy, Candy. You yes, remember that song? I do, man. See, all the lines are coming together. Oh are man, doing time on planet I Earth. B fifty two, QAnon. Your but your DNA packet just exploded. It just Frank. exploded. Ooh. I swear, I didn't give him a beeger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but then like. Yeah, like at the end of the movie, they should have showed up after they find out like that Ryan wasn't the one. Then all of a sudden, the B fifty two show up and be like, "Don't worry, we'll take you back to the home planet." That would have been like that's the thing. Like, here's the crazy part. At this point in my life, if I was interviewing the B fifty twos, it might be my one of my first questions would be like, <laughs> "Did they ever approach you?" Because this is also again where I wanted to have some info beyond the nothing that we could find like where there there had to have been at least some point where they tried to approach the b-52s you know and 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 even like could they not get the rights to one b-52 set like why would you have this movie and not have rock lobster or something like something yeah. in there or even uh, a deeper cut you know like just i would yeah. imagine a deeper cut but i'm trying to think of like yeah, i guess deeper cut even for money wise maybe because that's it because it's canon but like i don't know man it's just it's shocking that after all that they it really was the last thought i had and just like you did too just like wait what they're literally not gonna show like you they, i what you said if they showed up right at the end totally would be a great cameo be su- super psyched uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it's an, it's and that's the movie, and it's it's an odd one. I mean, again, like this is a, like we we could talk forever on movies that no one has seen. Um, but this movie also needed Fred Schneider, at least a Fred Schneider cameo. Oh my God! It would just like have him, him and Adam West, Fred Schneider and Adam West Dude. together. Yeah, that's a comedic duo that I would kill to see. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, doing Time of Planner, again, I do, I don't know. I don't want to say that we'll end up being a Nostradamus at this, uh, on this p- episode, but I, I will not be surprised, slash I will be surprised if no one ever writes some deep cut, 
like article. Like you got to run out of things. Like there's only so many things you can talk about the same movies over and over again. Like someone it now. Yeah, it's got to happen. Six months. Yeah, six months. It's gonna from happen. Now. People are in this AV pandemic club. long enough. Yeah, AV club's gonna be all of a sudden like the uncut punk gem sort of bullshit. Yeah, consequence of sound. Definitely yeah. consequence of sound is gonna have like the top ten punk movies, and it will be seven. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I just think like I think I, I don't know. At least again for me, there's enough in there that uh, and and it comes from the time I watched it. But I do think. It gave at least it wasn't the key to the doorway of punk and subculture, but it was one of the first like kind of opening my mind. Cause like also, like, did I see this before? If the movies we're talking about, like, did I see it before a John Waters movie? Possibly. Like maybe Crybaby, because Crybaby was kind of but I can't remember which one I would have yeah. seen first. Um but I definitely saw hairspray. Yeah, maybe. I think it's just I'm mostly banking it on its prevalence on HBO, I'm guessing, of doing time, where I probably just somehow saw it first only because it was one of those movies that was just always on. And so I saw it. It felt like an HBO movie, like a a made for HBO movie. Definitely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, is there anything we missed? Any other choice, Adam Westlands? I don't think we did. I mean, we covered this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. 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 I don't know. Frank, out of ten cannons, how many cannons we give in this cannon? Probably a five. Yeah. Right down. I the, feel like. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't feel like a cannon at all, except for maybe that, like choice elements. Yeah. Actually, maybe I give it lower. I'm gonna give it a three. Uh, yeah, I think now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, it's a three on the cannon scale. Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't fit in anywhere where I, I could kind of no imagine that the exposition scenes. I feel like even that we're forcing that that's yeah. a canon thing. Um, uh, it does. You know why? It's also three because it's like it's like a weird in between of like it's it's not like an older director's like kind of last film. So it's like one of their like untouched ones where they just are letting them do the art. Uh, but it does again, like you said, it's just it doesn't feel touched. Like unless we're wrong on this, it's a canon production, but feels like a canon distribution. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, you know, like because even like Mannequin is more of a distribution, and like it, it lives in that world, the Mannequin too, where it's like I of Mannequin, yep. where like I I watched it a lot as a kid, but this is the one that got lost even more than Mannequin. Like you're not getting a due in time on planet Earth reference in Key and Peel. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, Like right. when yeah. the, the Gremlins 2 sketch where you're like, oh, he's just playing Hollywood. It's Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, and for no particular reason. <laughs> Other um, than it's funny. Yeah. yeah, and besides that's unbelievably funny. But uh, yeah, like I was like, that. It, it it's not. And, and I don't know. It, it's a three, definitely. But I do, I don't want to be the one and neither do you. But I do kind of want someone to discover it in this way just because I would like to hear uh, honestly, I would like to hear that you and I are not insane for talking for an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> and going off about how it like has these connections to punk and indie rock and subcultures yeah. and kitsch and this and this. Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like it's kind of one of those entries that's like other things have done it better. Yes. 
of its era, every like there are other things of that era of this uh, aesthetic that have done it better. But that being said, it's worth the watch just to kind of experience it. But it yeah. definitely has that potential to be exactly what you're talking about, Jeff, of like that kind of like AV club consequence of sound. Yeah. Like little gem that's not perfect at, I mean, like even like, not even like scrappy in the right ways. Right. It like, it slightly misses the mark of that mm-hmm. kind of where you can appreciate it for that. Yeah. It's that's a- not to say there aren't moments that are. Well, Great. that's the thing. Even even at the very least, and again, I don't want to be the one to do it, but it's like, like I was just talking to my cousin and then talking to her young kids, and they were referencing, they out of nowhere, not off of something I said, just said, it's free real estate. And they're like 10. And they know that it's free real estate from Tim and Eric because it's a meme. That goes around that it's like a lot like old Greg from Mighty Boosh where people like young kids like millennials would be like into old Greg, but had no idea about the rest of Mighty Boosh. I think there's room for Adam West's memeable parts. Like, I don't want to necessarily even save this whole movie. I just want to save Adam West's lines. I want to save the like three to four really awesome Adam West sections. Like, I want... People to be like, yeah, I don't know. The movie's fine, but, uh, you know, thanks for we a wonderful make those dinner. Easy. I know. Maybe we, we will for this. Maybe we're going to yeah, be we... the ones to do this for this episode. Um, just make some memes. Yeah. Like do a meme, ma- download a meme maker and just Adam West memes. Let's just make it. Uh, uh, okay. It's probably going to show up on our Instagram and Twitter. That's how this yeah. works. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're going to show up. But that's just how it has to be because Adam West has to live on from this. And so does, I think, Candy Azera. Like, I think like both of them are really great in this movie. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, speaking of uh, showing up on our Instagram and our Twitter, Frank, where can people send us memes if you want to make yeah, them you, up That's this right. Movie? We're making work for ourselves. <laughs> We've said it before, Frank. We are lazy. So yep. do it for us. But we might do it, too. But, yes, where, do, where could people do that? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Canon Canon. That second Canon has one in, and you can email us at the Canon Canon at gmail.com. Remember that second Canon has one in. And please, again, uh, if you if you want to send those, but also send everything. Uh, we had we had someone send us finally the American Ninja soundtrack. I mentioned it last time. Yeah, loving that. And I love that it had Avenging Force on there too. Uh, if you need a couple more suggestions. Uh, I forgot that at one point in that video, he just says, we found it in cave drawing. Such a good line. <laughs> and even his delivery. That's where I realized it was Blue Moon or uh, Matt Berry's ways. And this Saturday's a blue moon. <laughs> like, just so <laughs> weird. But uh, send those. That'd be awesome. Uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, and we will be back next week with another canon film. But until then... I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is The Cannon. Cannon. Thank you for a wonderful dinner of peas, carrots, and ham. Ah.